Welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. So today I talked to Lauren White, who's a sexologist here in Brisbane, and I wanted to contact her so that we could talk about a specific thing that I see a lot in the clinic is women who have had babies, um, and we talk about their sexual function or return to sex, and not just early postnatal, even a couple years later, um, but they find that they have low libido, or you know they're either too tired, or they just don't even feel like they want to have sex with their partner, or even with themselves. So I contacted her because I'd heard her name come up so many times. She has some really interesting stuff out there. And I thought, okay, let's work out how a sexologist would approach this issue, what kind of advice they might give. Lauren and I have a great discussion about uh, different types of reading material as well as things to watch. She has some great ideas. She has a beautiful infectious laugh, and I really hope you guys enjoy today's episode. For those of you who don't know Lauren White, she is a qualified sexologist and permission grantor who assists her many satisfied clients to drop the stress and reinvigorate their sexual power in their intimate lives. Through her one-on-one sessions, writing, and online classes, she helps women to release their physical and psychological blocks so they can liberate their libidos for sex and life. So finally, finally, we get to sit down. Although we we did get to sit down and chat for an hour, we just didn't record it. So I thought today that we could talk a little bit about what you do as a sexologist, what sexologists um, generally see, or whether or not you see, you know, I'm assuming that... um, like physio, you're going to see different patients or people as other physio, you know, not every physio will see the same type of people. So I'm really interested in who you see and who you help. And I wanted to focus a little bit about um, libido today, because I see a lot of postnatal women, whether it's six months or two years. Um, And as moms who are tired, they have some type of pelvic floor dysfunction. I see a lot of women with pain. And we always talk about um, sexual activity and return to sex and how things are going. And I see a big trend in, you know, aside from hormones and medical issues, that they just have no desire or there's something going on with their libido. And this is, again, where I go... I can I can help you from the physical side and some little tips and tricks from the you know emotional or psychological side, but it's really not my area. This is yours, so I'm I'm interested to know what you do with these women. So um so yeah, <laughs> we got lots to talk about. <laughs> Thanks, sorry. Um, so I tend to see women who identify as high achievers slash perfectionists. Um, they're very, fiercely intelligent very good at what they put their mind to, quite tenacious. And um, whether they're a mum or not, or they're, they're at an age like uh, like late 20s where they're, they've found their, 
their long-term partner and they're considering children in the future, they're just finding that being sexual does not feel comfortable for them. In fact, it makes them feel stressed, it makes them feel anxious, um, they may or may not be experiencing pain, um, and whatever happens in the bedroom just feels a bit awkward. They, It might have been something that they felt comfortable with in their like earlier on in their life or in previous relationships, but all they know is right now, for the last six months, year, two years, however long it takes until they come and see me, that they just don't feel connected to being sexual. And they say things to me like, I have no libido. My partner's libido is so high, they're so interested in sex, and I'm just not. So it's it's kind of that language that tends to go along with being a high achiever as well. We tend to kind of, I say we, because I definitely identify <laughs> <laughs> <Concession>. <laughs> Um, I definitely identify with that. But we tend to be like so all on, switched on all the time, generating, getting stuff done, ticking boxes, kicking goals, all of that, um, making sure everyone else is happy, making sure everything looks good, feels good, all of that. And then it comes time sex is propositioned and it's like, huh? Like what is this? Wait, you're asking me to just purely feel? You're asking me to just be in my body? You're asking me to, to follow the sensations? It's like... But, but I'm used to doing things. So this is the big conundrum that I work with with, with, with women is, um, is this, this, like this tendency to be in this one doing action mode all the time and then us moving her nervous system down a little bit to get more comfortable with what lies between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous systems. So I talk to a lot of women about how they need both of these nervous systems kind of intertwined for sexual arousal to happen. We don't want you to be all up in stress because then you'll be inhibited in terms of your response. We don't want you to be all down about to go to sleep. We don't know what keeps going and, and everything. So a lot of our work is about finding her libido in that sweet spot between mm. being right up and being right down and bringing in play and curiosity and um, sensory experiences and and nurturing her libido from a non-sexual place first because it makes it far easier to move all that into sex when she's got a sense of mastery around what's happening in the non-sexual realm of her life. So asking a high achiever to just drop into sex or just switch gears or just stop her mind and get into her body, all that really absolute like switching gears stuff is just way too hard. So decompression is a big part of this work, actively decompressing in a way that's realistic for her, tangible for her. Um, and that goes with, sorry, that goes with pain as well. That's a big hmm. part pain work that I do with women is um, is allowing her body to move out of contraction into a state um, of relaxation so it's uh, yeah but it definitely it definitely starts I think this is a something that's not well known about sex therapy and honestly if I was asked this before I knew what sex therapy was I'd, I'll probably just think it was all about sex but a lot of it is about the mirrors that are happening in her daily life and how that's playing out in sex. So if we get her feeling confident about the small things that feel smaller or um, things that she can conquer, um, then it's easier for her to feel a little bit more vulnerable and try some new things in sex. 
So if we back up just a second, so you just said sex therapy. Now, is that the same as, like, would you call yourself a sex therapist or a sexologist? Is it the same thing? That's a really good question. I love that question. So I call myself both because I'm a qualified sexologist. I completed a graduate, uh, postgraduate diploma of sexology with Curtin University in Perth, and that that completing that qualification allowed me to to um, use the title of sexologist. Um, I could be a sexologist and choose to go down the line of research. I could be a sexologist and choose that to go down the line of education. I could be a sexologist and choose to go down the line of therapy. Um, those aren't our only pathways, mm. but they're the three common pathways. So for myself, because I also have a graduate diploma of counselling and I'm a registered nurse, I decided that um, therapy was def- always what I wanted to do. Um, and so I feel really comfortable calling myself a qualified sexologist and a sex therapist and calling my session sex therapy. Um, now, we talked about it the last time we spoke, which we hadn't recorded, but um, you don't do, it's hands-off therapy that you're talking about, but in the past you have done hands-on therapy, is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I've done both. I've done hands-off and hands-on. So hands-on for anyone who isn't familiar, in I can only speak for Australia. In Australia, um, in Australia, you need to do a certificate of sexological body work. That is the definitely the pathway that I'd recommend if that's of interest to you, and that provides patient that provides clients with um, real-time feedback about their body's responses. Most of it is it's interesting. Even though we can use hands-on sexological bodywork, most of it was hands-off for me and me coaching a client through touching themselves. Can I ask a really yeah. probably stupid, weird, <laughs> hopefully not offensive question? Because it's <laughs> just, when you say that, I, I think, is someone sitting in your office and you are teaching them and helping them to masturbate and they orgasm in your office? Mm. Is that what it yeah. is? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's okay. what it can be. Yeah, All right. Yeah. yeah. But so, you don't do that anymore, as in? No, no, okay. no, no. I provided it for a chapter of my work. But and people I do really, that. I really, um, I valued not only the training that I got through the Certificate of Sexological Bodywork, because it actually taught me way more about the body than tertiary qualifications ever did. Um, and what the body responds well to and de-armoring and a lot of that work. But, um but yeah, that offering that for that chapter of my work was so aligned. It was really enjoyable. It had some really incredible outcomes. And what happened um, personally was that I fell pregnant again for the second time. I had a baby and had a baby was born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> came from that. And um, when I came back to work um, as a sex therapist, I just, for some reason, I was just like, no, I'm just going to go straight back to talk sessions. Yeah. And that felt really good for me. It was just really clear that that was specifically a chapter of time for me. It was good, no hard feelings, just moving forward. I only want to offer talk and do more online work. So I didn't want to have too many offerings. So, um, but yeah, sexological body work can be really powerful when it's done with, with, consent with boundaries and with integrity and um that that was number one in my work I wouldn't do any body work until we'd had I think four sessions together four talk sessions together yeah okay yeah um well let's if we come back again to uh talking about libido and 
women. You said the most common kind of population you see are women who are highly driven, you know, type A personality. You need to bring them from a really heightened nervous system to calm them down in order to start your work. But what about women who are the other end where they are exhausted and tired and maybe they need to be like, I don't know, do they need to be brought up to that middle ground or what do you start to do with with us moms? Yay! <laughs> Oh, yes, I know what that's like. Um, It's so interesting, Laurie, because even when I see women in that depleted state, well, first of all, what they need is to – the way that I see it is depletion actually needs rest and restoration. Mm. It doesn't need – if there's adrenal fatigue going on, if they're burnt out in any way, then they actually need more rest. I I don't know. I hope I'm not getting sidetracked here, but I used to go to the gym. I went to the gym for a while, would take the kids to the creche, and I saw so many mums that I just would glance at them and I felt I was just looking at someone who was so – depleted and they were doing these high intensity workouts and they looked yeah anyway I could just see it it was they looked emaciated they looked like they were pushing too hard so so I really think depletion still like calls for us to stay to move depletion into a restful state and to Mm. still teach about coming down because they can still we can still be having those um those spikes of stress and performance and anxiety happening when we're in depletion well at least that's how I experience that's how I personally experience um some pockets of depletion with um being postpartum so gentle I I think no matter what woman steps forward to me she needs to be so much kinder to herself she needs to be so gentle and she needs to be so much more compassionate so I don't I'm not often advocating for lots of high intensity stuff Mm. um so in saying that, a client I saw today, she's um, she's not depleted, but she's in a form of apathy. So she's spending a lot of time sitting down. So something that we've um, that we've talked about is move like bringing movement in, but more specifically, making a date with her partner that includes something that's active and includes something that's novel. So. Yeah, it just depends. I'd like to provide a really personalized approach, but high intensity stuff isn't often. I'm finding a match for wherever my client system, wherever my client's nervous system is at. Hmm. You um, you just mentioned partners. So, do women come to see you? I'm assuming we're, that most of your clientele is women. Yes. Right? Yes. So, if yes. they come to see you, do they um, come in with their partners, or do they often come alone? They only come alone. So the okay. process we offer is only to see women. Um, yeah. Part of that comes back to the fact that when I was curious about my own sexuality and I was seeing um, clinicians and practitioners in Brisbane back in 2012, I did all of this on my own. I needed – it was my own journey. It was my mm. own experience. I needed to work all of this out for myself. And first and foremost, to make it sustainable for me, no matter what life – brought me I was in a I'm still in the same relationship I was in back then but it was just like no I just need this as a piece for me and then um you know it's a wonderful benefit um side effect for my partner that he gets to benefit from my from me sourcing my liberation and and pleasure and all of that so um so in the case of my practice I'm only seeing women and it's so interesting usually around session five or so they'll say to me it's so weird because I came here for us, 
and now I'm realizing how much I'm coming here for me. Yeah. And I so do so. <laughs> I don't hold back. I'm a very expressive person. I do like a fist bump or do like a little baby dance in the chair just to say to them, like, yes, like, yes, like, this is about you, this is about you for you. Because their default has been historically, what can I do to make other people happy? What will make them happy? What will give mm. them pleasure? It's all that outward approach and this is about them completely receiving and being acknowledged and being seen by another woman, just what their story is without interference, without um, without another opinion, just what is your version of things and what do you need, full stop. Yeah. And I love that. And I'll, I just, yeah, I just have no inclination to change it. it just, every now and I must admit, every three to six months I'll sit there and think, should I do couples work? Should I go get training? And the answer is just like, no. <laughs> so I'm listening to that. No, I'm listening and honouring that, um, that that's not what this is meant to be right now. Yeah. So what kind of thing, so you said you need to bring people into, you know, some state with their nervous system to start. So I know that everybody is different. And if we stick again to the theme of women coming in more with a low libido and wanting to improve that, um, what kind of things are you, um, what other things are you looking at and starting to get them to work on? Yeah, that's yeah, great question. So the first session I have with women is 90 minutes so we can just talk about where they've been, where they're at and where they like to go. So that's just increasing their comfort with talking about sex because often just talking about it is creates you know, inhibition and, and they're nervous and they're anxious about it. From the second session onwards, what I do is I do a 10-minute anchoring in with clients. So when I say anchoring in, you can call it meditation or mindfulness, something along those lines. I call it anchoring in because I'm effectively trying to help them wherever they're at, move their mind and their body from being in the outside world to being in this space. And this space I work online as well. might be my office in person or might be wherever they are um, you know, in their personal home and to just bring them inward and to make a declaration that their body is important and what their body has to say is important because often they're used to being so in their heads and they're trying to, they're trying to tell their body exactly what it's going to do and when it's going to do it and how it's going to do it and, and the body responds and goes, no, I don't want to do that and they go, no, shh, you're going to do it anyway or, you know, they're, they're in this, this battle with their, between mm. their minds so in this 10 minute anchoring in I'm taking them every single one I do is a bit different sometimes I'm using um, I'm inspired by something they said last session and I'm making it really personable to them Um, but I'm taking them through their body um, most importantly into their womb and into their heart so they're making physical contact with their own body by touching it they're doing deep belly breaths Um, Sometimes we bring in some gentle movement. Sometimes we bring in some really gentle sound. But we're, we're reaching that sweet spot of, of not being completely, like stillness is good and stillness comes into it, but we're not, it's not a completely passive experience, but it's not an overly active experience. So I want it to be something that mirrors sex so that when they get into sex and they're like, wait a minute, I just checked out, I've gone into my head, without berating themselves mm. and going through a frustration spiral, it's like, okay, what can I do to come back into my body? So that that part, I think, makes a real difference to the process because the next 50 minutes are really generative and fruitful because they've already come down a bit from driving in the car, 
I'm like, oh my God. Sometimes they're like, oh my God, I was thinking about what my intention for the session was going to be. I'm like, don't ever think about it. It will come through when we anchor into our bodies and when you drop in. So that's the other thing they said in intention for the session. And it's really sweet when they, they come in and, and 10 minutes later they're like, like, I was getting my head, I was trying to plan it. And I was like, it doesn't work, don't plan it. Just it's all about listening to what comes through in the moment rather than being in constant anticipation. That's yeah. what happens, yeah, in in low libido and and um, and women who are feeling stressed about sex, they're often in negative anticipation when it could be either neutral or positive anticipation. So um, that that anchoring in is a good a good way of teaching them to to come into the moment. Yeah. So then, how do you bridge that with getting them to being aroused and have that desire in the bedroom with their partner. Yeah. So a lot of that comes back to language. I use different language in sessions. I teach them a lot about, I'm a word nerd for start, (laughs) but I teach them a lot about the power of language. And a lot of the language I use changes it from desire, wanting, like arousal, orgasm, all of that stuff. Mm down to being okay you might not want to have sex but what are you willing to do are you willing to open to your partner are you willing to give touch to them are you willing to receive touch from them so changing that language from like wanting because they're for this magical moment of wanting to have it with someone that frankly they might be sitting on the couch with six nights a week like are you really going to want someone like, and <laughs> for them and desire them when like everything's a bit like, you know, predictable or everything's a bit, there's not a lot of novelty happening. So it's not a criticism of any of that. It's just a, like, this is reality. If you want to um, be more interested in sex, first of all, we need to get you thinking about sex more often, reading about sex, watching things that have sex scenes rather than like changing the channel or walking out of the room, um, fantasizing a bit more, just that allowing things to be sexual or erotic, um, just even for brief moments in time so that when sex is propositioned or they get the courage to proposition themselves, it doesn't feel so strange and unfamiliar and foreign. Like, what is this sex thing? This is completely different from how I spent every other hour of my day this week. Um, so yeah, so a lot about a lot of it's about the the power and small things and changing the language. What are you willing to do? What are you interested in doing? What are you curious about doing? Does uh, yeah, does that resonate? Because it does, but I feel like people don't know what they are interested in. So when you talk about reading and watching, what kind of things do you give? Like what is out there that people might, I know that everyone's going to have different levels of intensity of what they are into. Um, So if we start kind of low intensity to high intensity and go through some books and movies or TV shows, because I heard, is it SBS that's like, um, the channel to watch or something. <laughs> it's got a lot of foreign kind of yeah, uh, yeah, like art house stuff on it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, in Canada we had. I remember being a kid and not being allowed to watch this one channel late at night. And I'm from Ottawa, and it's like a bilingual part of Canada. And uh, I remember, I can't remember if it was a show or a channel called Bleu Nuit, which is like you know 
blue night or I don't know. Anyway, I'd st- I don't even know what it was. I just still have that memory in my mind of going, ooh, I'm not allowed to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so what are so yeah, what what are things that you find? Let's kind of start with some things that people can look at with regards to reading and then we'll talk about some things that they might be able to watch. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so everyone's different and I do give, suggest different books to different clients depending on what their particular needs are. But um, my wonderful go-tos are, first one is um, Women's Anatomy of Arousal by Sherry Winston. That is an incredible book. Um, I think that won the Asset Book Award in 2010. It's um my copy is um, very well used <laughs> my own personal reading and lending it out to clients. It's a wonderful way of looking at exactly how to pr- approach a female anatomy, what it contains, how, what she responds to, and it's also got little subsections for men to read, like hot tips for guys. Oh, she just great. set it out in a really digestible way. It's a great book. Yeah. I love it. I still love it. Oops. Um, uh, got a bit excited just being <laughs> getting excited now oh, I love books by the way I love I love books um come as you are by Emily Nagoski is wonderful for looking at what um she talks about the inhibitory excitatory um approach to sex so what puts the brakes on what takes the brakes off and that's a really good way of people getting to know why they might have um the classic term why they might be experiencing desire discrepancy and and moving into ways of what could work for them as individuals to still be satisfied so that's a great book um and let me just say, I'm actually looking at my bookshelf at the moment. They're my two. They're definitely my two favourites when it specifically comes to sex. I also like, um, I also like Urban Tantra by Barbara Corellis, um, because again, it's a digestible, very practical book that looks at um, that is very op- um, that is very non not gender specific and very open to. Um, you're very open to all different orientations and dynamics and um, couple dynamics and it's just a really good one for looking at the energetic side of the body and the name suggests it all urban tantra it's easy it's for anyone it's not it's got integrity it, it works as well it's very um, very easy to install um, into your, install into your sex life sounds like a computer uh, very <laughs> implemented to your sex life so they're my three they're my three favorites and they're kind of classics because they've been all been around for a few years now what about the fiction fantasy what is the one that someone I remember looking going into Dimex the bookshop and going okay I want to know if there's any books that I can recommend patients to maybe help them get into the mood or something um and I asked one of the girls there, and, you know, they go a little bit red. But she led me to, like, some Australian author. And I just remember it was some, you know, I don't remember who it was. I think I read, like, 30 pages. And I was just like, oh, this is just really not for me. But it was, you know, some cowboy set out in the outback. And... Oh, right. No, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. I have no idea, but I was like, "Whoa, oh my God. Um, so what, are there any, like, do you re- ever recommend fiction books or? Yep. Sometimes, usually, sometimes clients are sourcing them for themselves and they yeah. might have different tastes to me. Like they might like, I'm not necessarily a big fan of like the romantic, like the romantic slash erotic genre, but they might like that. So that's what a um, lot of people talk about. 
Yeah, this one's hard. I think, look, I think Ana Nin is a classic erotic writer. She's, I really like her work um, personally. Um, yeah, I think Ana Nin is a really good place to start. Okay, Delta yeah. of Venus is, yeah, is really beautiful. So that's yeah. old but still very descriptive and very, very beautiful. And because it's written by a woman, it's, it's very much taking care of the female perspective. Uh-huh. I've read a lot. I'm just um, – while we're talking, I'm just again, looking at my bookshelf. I've read a lot of different things, but I wouldn't necessarily say they are – they give perspectives of female sexuality, but they're not necessarily there to excite you or yeah. – generate arousal so my tastes are a bit broader in that I'm very content reading about different um like very very different to me experiences of female sexuality but it's not necessarily um arousing per se so yeah that one's a that one's a tough one though because and I'm very specific but one book that I do have it's very big it's called Desire and I can't remember the editor's name Maria Forstrup, I think it might be, but it is, I think it's a hundred short stories of a hundred short stories. It's, it's pretty thick. It's beautiful. And what I like about it is that has real diversity and not all of them. Sometimes I read one and go, I loved that, um, that short story or that chapter from a book. Um, and then other ones I read, I went, oh, that did nothing for me. But then someone else might read that and say that really did something for me. So I think that variety works um, works really well as well in terms of erotic literature. Yeah. All right. What about um, television? What kind of things do you suggest people try watching from like, you know, easiest to, yeah. um, to wherever? Yeah. <laughs> Best thing that can, again, um, what I'm suggesting, I just want to put an asterisk on. Not mm. so much relation, but it's for opening. Yep. Um, the best thing that I saw in the last year was definitely Sex Education on Netflix. Um, so Is it a documentary? Got, no, no, no. It's a it's a show. It's got um, Gillian Anderson in it, and um, she's a sex therapist, and her son is very inhibited. And he's a teenager and he's all awkward and he's going through his own. He, the, the kids at school end up realising he's a really good listener and he's picked up on so much from his mum who's a sex therapist that he ends up like going into like the old toilets behind school and charging people to be a sex therapist. And it's wonderful <laughs> because it's funny and it's got lots of good, like good good jokes in it and it's engaging and you know I love anything about adolescence personally I love anything about formative years and just revisiting that weird time of life and it was just it just totally pulled it off so that's a good one it's not going to get you excited but it opens up the dialogue and makes it you know and it deals with that awkwardness about sex which I think so many of us need so it's so funny though just speaking to other some of my clients loved Outlander. That did something for my clients. Oh, I have a, I have a few friends who talked about it a lot, and I think the gifts that come yeah. through always have like one of the yeah, main guys yeah. without his shirt on, and I'm like, oh, I need to watch this, don't I? But I don't know if it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I must admit, I've only seen the first few episodes, like whenever they first came out, and it wasn't that I didn't like it or didn't respond. I didn't. Yeah, I just haven't gone back to it, but yeah. um. But, yeah, that's another one as well. Um, 
Yeah, Netflix also has it. Sorry, Netflix is really good, by the way. Um, Netflix also has a show at the moment called Easy, and that is about different different stories of people navigating different relationships. So the picture of the undies, someone's holding yep. undies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at that. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I should watch yeah. that. So they just so sometimes, honestly, someone might not tell you about something. It's just a matter of clicking on things yeah. that you think could be. Um, have erotic themes or tones or whatever and just um, I just find things sometimes people tell me about things sometimes I just find things organically and in saying that not everything is gonna even me as a sex therapist doesn't mean I'm open to watching everything about sex as yeah, well so, yeah um, yeah so a bit of a bit of hunting a bit of curiosity and you might stumble across something really good Nice. Oh, those are really good. Again, I'll write all these. I'll try to get them all into the show notes so yeah, that yeah. people can find them and uh, send them over to Netflix. So, yeah, thanks, Netflix. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so if somebody's been working through, um, like you said, from the beginning, you've got them to be thinking about themselves and their nervous system and learning about their body and um trying to find kind of what works for them. Do you find that, like, do you guide them on ways to kind of integrate this with their partner or do you find they find, they find their own path or? Mm. Um, I definitely keep the emphasis early on, on themselves and integrating it for themselves by themselves. Um, and then as we go on, we're definitely, definitely working with these skills and bringing them into the sexual relationship and ensuring that while we're working together that she's got opportunities to, to test run how some of this goes and how initiating goes, if that's very, that's usually very unfamiliar for my clients. So how initiating goes, how um, different positions go, how different approaches go, you know, less maybe more um more initial warm-up more breath more movement more touch more sound as opposed to look my body's not ready but this is what you want and i just want to over with mm-hmm. or do penetration and unlike and then i experience yeah. and, and the the way that things usually play out so um i also in saying that we're also tapping into what their space looks and feels like as well and just making sure the whole like that's something that female sexuality is generally very sensitive to is the environment and distractions. So we're making mm. sure that whatever space they're in, that it feels really conducive to being sexual because sometimes in that first session when I ask them or second session when I ask them what their bedroom's like, it's really interesting some of the things that come up. And it's like, right, we need to change that now. We need to get it. Sometimes they've got lots of toys in there, like lots of Or their children. Toys. No, like not even – some of my clients, are, <laughs> they love anime or they love cartoons. Like that's just yeah, part okay, of their yeah. identity. They love – they love um, – like they have – that's part of their identity. They love um, mm. They love these things or there's aspects of childhood that they've brought into the bedroom. It's like, right, okay, now that you're 29, 30, beyond – um, and you're in this long-term relationship, we need to – it's not about taking your personality away from your bedroom, just about making it feel mature and conducive to being sexual. Yeah. Um, taking away clutter, just all of – making sure it's warm, making sure the lighting's like low, not no lighting, but like low lighting. All of those things make a real difference, and it's incredible when their eyes are open to those sorts of factors, how much it can change, how present they are. Yeah, look. Not a, yeah, not a one, one, you know, not one solution, but it's a, a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, 
again, another, I'm not sure if it's like completely out there question, but I always am curious because um, I will see women who have never touched themselves and mm -hmm. they are, they're either, like some women just don't ever want to um, mm -hmm. and some women are, aren't sure what to do. Do you find that women who aren't familiar with their own body or what feels nice to them has any um, anything to do with they have any issues with libido? Definitely. Most definitely, yes. And um, a lot of that stems back to childhood stories and beliefs around it being dirty, wrong, shameful, to, or maybe they just didn't even know that self-pleasure was a thing. Hmm. Um, most definitely. There's usually some sort of disconnection there. If it wasn't, if it didn't create a sense of disgust or if someone didn't, you know, yeah, if it didn't create a sense of disgust or, um, or strong beliefs in the woman, then usually they just feel disconnected from it and it just feels like something unfamiliar. Yeah, I'm, they say things like, it's, I'm okay with other women doing it, it doesn't bother me, but me personally, I just don't want, I don't have no interest. Um, so often what goes hand in hand with that is they've never seen their anatomy. Mm. Or if they have, it's like, yeah, I've seen it once. So maybe they were trying to insert a tampon for the first time. They've got pain and they've probably never inserted a tampon before or they've tried once and not tried again. So, yes, so the self-pleasure aspect is a big component of this work because it allows them, well, first of all, it's about nurturing their libido for themselves, by themselves. Mm. It's about sex not being just in a box of partner sex and and I, the way that I reframe it to them, I go, it's so good because you don't have to think about anyone else. You can. There's no judgment. There's no – no one is watching you. Um, you don't ever – like if you stop, you, there's nothing to be embarrassed about because if you need to pause, you can just press a reset button. And I said this is all wonderful training for what – what happens in partner sex you get a sense of mastery around this and you feel much more in control um with what's happening in the sex so yeah so the self-pleasure piece is big and it's the way that i teach it is um is yes it incorporates the genitals but it's more of a whole body um, whole body practice that then moves into the genitals so really getting them warm in their bodies, getting blood flowing and then moving it down into their genitals. So, and it's, and it's really, um, yeah, it generates really good outcomes. So, yeah. Oh, I, I love, I love how passionate you are about oh. this topic. Um, you, you also have, you have a book that, yeah. um, I can't remember if I said it at the beginning, but it's on my list. I haven't read it yet. I'm waiting for the audio book. <laughs> um, what is your book about? Ah, oh, my book is it's, called Permission, yes. Personal Liberation for Switched On Women. This book was just um, the, the writing process and the process of channel. It, feel, it feels like a book that I channeled from a bar. <laughs> it's like something just moved, spirit moved me. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, um, in all seriousness, this book is um, really incredible because it's about women giving themselves the green light to be sexual as they are. It's about speaking to that high achiever mode, that switched on mode, and um, seeing how that can be compatible with being sexual. You don't have to try and be a goddess or a tantric. You don't have to try and be someone that you're not in the bedroom, that um, we still want 
your we still want your ability your your love of controlling things and having things a certain way to come into the bedroom with you and that can inform you rather than because I think so many women are getting caught up in the the ideology of just let go and it's like telling a high achiever and control freak <laughs> it's like the most counteractive thing that you can say or just relax it's like do you think I've not tried saying that to myself <laughs> so this book is it's it's the chapter titles are permission to love vanilla sex permission to have trauma permission to be in control permission to be choosy permission to take your time it's just it's the, the medicine that so many women need in a world of very confusing, sometimes elitist embodiment practices that honestly, I don't have the patience to do. <laughs> like, I tried. I went through a big phase of my life trying to do, generate these full body orgasms or these different body type orgasms and all of this sort of stuff. And in the end, it wasn't connecting me to my sexuality. It wasn't allowing me to just be in ownership and show up as I am and be like, yeah, this is Lauren and cool. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It was kind of putting me into a different striving mode. And I just don't want any woman to be showing up to sex, trying to strive and be something they're not. Um, yeah. So permission is just, um, yeah, I think it's the medicine that the sexuality world needs. So I wrote it. So why, why why didn't you put that in the list of books that we talked about just a minute ago? (laughs) Busted, busted. Um, that's really interesting. I uh, I definitely want to advocate for my own book <laughs> in that list for sure. For sure. I think it's old habit of like, oh yeah, what have other people written? Like, yeah. I know what I've written, but what have other people written? Yes, I would. And and in all honesty, I would put that in the list of books because this is just for women. This is not about pleasing their partner. Um, this is about them doing it, finding their own form of liberation for themselves. And uh, it's just beautiful. And the messages that I get about permission are really, um, really touching as well, like women having their own breakthroughs from reading it and feeling really heard and seen in reading it. And, um, yeah, and that's been powerful. So now I just need more women to be giving themselves permission to be sexual and to show up in life. Well, hopefully this podcast reaches more women so that they will then be able to do that. Is there, um, what are the best ways for people to find you? Um, Let's start with social media. Yep, social media. I'm very active on Instagram. My handle is Lauren White AU. Um, Same handle for Facebook. And um, I provide, try to provide different content for those um, two platforms. And my website is laurenwhite.com.au. All right. And if people want to come see you, you said you do do, so you're in Brisbane. Um, You do one-on-one face-to-face consultations, but you also do online consultations, you said. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What if people are rural or in different even in different countries and they can never see you face to face. Do you do just online? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh, perfect. And can they find all of that information on your website if they're looking to touch base with you? Is there, at least in Australia, is there any rebate? No, there isn't. No. All private. It's all All private. So it's a very personal investment, Swan. But you won't, 
book back from that investment. I don't think a lot of people would claim private anyway because it's kind of like going to, I find, a psychologist that nobody wants anyone else to know that they're doing it. Um, Yeah, yeah, that they, even if... Yeah, that's yeah. a genuine concern when you when you go under a healthcare plan that is registered for what you went under. So this is all private. No one has any access to any data except for me. This is all me, um, totally safe, totally confidential. And that's what my clients need. Like that's what they want. They want yeah. that privacy, that confidentiality. Um, it's yeah it's really that's something that's really important to them that no one knows that they're here and that 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 decision is on their terms who they want to share that with yeah well thank you again so much for giving me your time again um and i hope you have a really fun day today thanks you too thanks so much